Amen. Good morning again. How are you all doing today? Let's open our Bibles. First John chapter 1. First John chapter 1. Uh, you ever hear guys preach like that and they say, after every word, they say, one. Uh, and then, uh, and I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm going to try that today, see how we do. Actually not. Last week we looked at uh, 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, and we're going to, uh, 7 through, excuse me, 8 through 10, and we're going to focus on verse 9 today, but a little bit of review, you know, this idea that there's no such thing as sin. And this concept, you know, that uh, denies the existence of sin. And, and it kind of, it, it flows along with this idea that there's no absolutes. It, it's kind of like whatever you think, it's relative to how you think it is. That's, that's how it is. There's no, and so really, the bottom line is there's no sin and there's no God. And so it's just us and whatever we decide, whatever we think about it. Um, I think the word that I like to use about this is disingenuous. Now, I had to look up the, the, I could use a lot of words, but not know what they mean. You know, we all pretend like we know stuff, you know, use these, you know, $200 words. But this is the, this is the definition, uh, not candid or sincere, not candid or sincere, Typically, by pretending that one knows less about something than one really does. Oh, there's no sin. No, it's just whatever you think is right. I think there, we know a lot more than that. I think it's something that's in us. This conviction, this, you know, until we get so hard and our hearts get so hardened that, you know, we'll just do anything. But it's a lie, and we call God a liar, and the Scripture reveals to us the truth, and so we make that case that we need to stay in the word. And what did, what did God say in his word in Romans 3.23? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This, uh, I meant to say this, uh, and Kelly pointed this out last week. I talked all about sin last week. I never defined it. But sin is really, it's missing the mark. You know, if you are shooting archery, you know, and you're shooting at the target there, you're missing the mark. And what is the mark? What is the target? It's God's standard. It's, it's what it says in Romans 3.23. We fall short of the glory of God. You see, the Old Testament tells us all about the glory of God and who God is. And, and that's what the standard is. Now, that's not just to make us feel guilty, but it's to show us that we need a Savior. And, and we're sinners, but we are sinners in the hands of a saving God. Now, that's the way I like to, to, uh, to give that, that, uh, that sermon title. Sin is real, though, and it, and it leads to death, and, and it leads to separation from God and, and that. But God sent His Son. God sent His Son who died that you and I might live. And if we would humble ourselves before Him, and like that uh, example we looked at in Luke where one said, you know, I'm glad I'm not like that other guy. And then the other one said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Just humbled himself before God. And, and Jesus said, that one is the one who went away right before God, not the other guy. God saves us. He rescues us. He, he forgives us of all of our sins, past, present, and future. He forgives us of all of them. 
Yet, that's all true. Yet, we still sin. Well, maybe you don't. Right? How many of you have got to that place where you've, you've got it all together now? You never miss the mark. You never fall short of God's glory. We, the truth is, we have a brand new heart, but we also have this flesh and the sin nature that's you know, residing in this flesh. And we still battle against it. It's like, you, you know, you think you've, you've, you think you've gotten it together in a certain area or whatever, and then all of a sudden, it, bang, it's there again. Like, has, has that ever happened to you? Because we're fighting against something that is in the world, that's, but also within us. There's a battle taking place, and then the enemy of our souls as well. But Pastor Chucky said, sins that spring from the sinful root. It just comes right out of us. So what do we do with all that? What happens if we do? This is what we do. You got it? Confession. So you go to the priest. There's a, there's a, you know, like a, some kind of a box thing. And I grew up in the Greek Orthodox Church. I know about these things. You know, and you go, though I don't remember it very well because I probably didn't do it more than once because I just, you know, I was just, I don't tell you what I was. <laughs> but you've got the box, right, and, and the, the guy on this side and you on this side, and maybe you have to kneel down, and then uh, Jim was telling me then the door swings wide open or whatever, and, or there's like a screen there. You know, it's so common, and you know, Rhode Island is like one of the top two most Catholic states in the Union. You know that, right? And so we're, you know, most of us here, we were raised with that. I mean, you got to go to confession. It's one of the, the sacraments so that you can go to heaven. But the truth is, uh, it's not like that. It's not really in the Bible. People come up with all kinds of things, and, 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 you know, confession is in the Bible. But that thing that happens there, that's not really in the Bible. I'm not trying to, you know, make fun or, or you know, pick on, you know, uh, another group of people. But, but I'm trying to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that Jesus is our great high priest. Yeah, we have to go to a priest, all right, but it's Jesus, the great high priest. He's the one that is our mediator. Paul said in Timothy, you know, there's one mediator, only one. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He's the only one that, we, that, that can go between us and God. You don't have to go to a man or a woman or whoever and say, will you go and to God for me and, and so that my sins can be forgiven and, and you will be my mediator or mediatrix or whatever that is. There is one mediator. His name is Jesus. That's what it says here. Look at verse 9. This is our, our verse. And this is a key verse, folks, for, for, for all Christians. And if you don't know this verse, if you haven't memorized it yet, uh, maybe uh, you need to. Because it's a key, it's one of those foundations, it's one of those uh, you know, cornerstone verses that, that you need to know. And why? Because we still sin. 
That's why. But what does it say here in verse uh, 9? He says, if. He talks about, you know, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise that you and I need to know, that, that, that he is there for us. So every day I go to confession, but I go to my Father through Jesus Christ. I go to my Father in heaven through Jesus, the, the, the one high priest, the great mediator, the only one. Now, that brings up another question. I like asking questions. You know that. Sometimes you know the answers. Most of the time you don't. Oh, no. Most of the time you do. Most of the time my questions don't make any sense. But let me ask you this question. Why do we need to go and confess our sins to him? If, if they have already been all forgiven, past, present, and future, they're already all forgiven. Right? Isn't that what I said a couple minutes ago? I said that. Isn't that true? So why do we need to go and confess our sin? Because it's all done. It's all ready. And some people have, have looked at this verse in a different light and, and made it sound, sound sort of like that. Well, we, we did it once. We never got to do it again. The truth, the answer to that is, I can't hear what you are saying. So, so the, the answer, I'll give you the answer, is that our fellowship with God and with people as well is hindered because of our sin. And we need to confess it and get right with him. Someone said that the Puritans used to say this, to keep short accounts with God and men. To keep short accounts, you, you know, to get, I need to get this straightened out. I need to confess this. I need to be forgiven of this. It's wrong. I know it's wrong. I know the Holy Spirit within me is convicting me that it's wrong, and I need to confess it. And get it right. And, and when, we, when we get all these things and they add up and we, we never go, we never go, that's when our lives become very dark and, and full of, 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 of this bitterness and anger and, and unforgiveness. The word confess in the, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> in the, uh, the Greek language is homo logeo. Homo logeo. So, so what it literally means is to say the same thing as. Okay? Logeo, it's like Jesus, the logos, the word. It's logeo is to say, to speak, to use words. And homo means the same, right? So, so to confess our sins means to come to God and to say the same thing. In other words, to agree with him. Yes, I am wrong. Yes, I agree with you. Because again, what is the standard? Who's telling us what's right or wrong? Whatever you feel, whatever you think, or what God says. So, so this word means to, to say the same thing, to agree with him, to admit it. And, and not only that, it's also in the present active tense. And what that means is that it's something we keep on doing. So that, that kind of gets rid of that idea of, you know, do it once and you're done. We keep on confessing. It's not a once-for-all thing. And, and so for you and I as believers to confess our sins, that, that's what restores fellowship. We make it right. 
It's vital to maintain a good relationship with God and, and also with others. I want you to turn with me, uh, please, to Psalm 51 in your, in your Bibles there or on your phones or wherever you uh, get your scriptures. Psalm 51, I mentioned this uh, already, and we're going to look at uh, two, two psalms, but first of all, Psalm 51, and then later on, Psalm 32. And they kind of go in order, but Psalm 51 is before Psalm 32. Psalm 51 is the psalm of confession, the psalm, the psalm of repentance and confession of who? Of David, right. It says, look at the heading here in Psalm 51. It says, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. You can read that whole sordid story. Horrible what he did. And he tried to hide it for a long time, right? We'll talk about that in verse in chapter 32. But look what he says here. Look at the, the type of words. And I, that's why I think we all need to know where Psalm 51 is and also Psalm 32 is so that... You know, we go to 1 John 1, verse 9. We go to Psalm 51 and we go to Psalm 32. He says in verse 1, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. He knew it. He knew it in his heart. He knew what, what he had done was wrong. But look what he says. Against you and you only have I sinned and, what is, and, what is, and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Now, we also you know, sin against people as well, but ultimately and primarily our sin is against God because God is the one who has set that standard. Look at verse 5. He said, surely I was sinful when? At birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. That sinful nature is there from the very, very beginning, you see. This is David's psalm of confession. We'll come back to Psalm 32 later. But, but back in 1 John 1.9, he says, you know, confess our sins. And he is faithful. And he is just, and he will forgive us our sins. And he will uh, purify us from all unrighteousness. David prayed that prayer, and, and he called upon God's mercy and, and love. And, and sure enough, God forgave him of those horrible things that he had done. And God, it says here in 1 John that he is faithful, and he is just, and he will forgive us. This word faithful you know, even when we're not faithful, the scripture says God is always faithful. And that means that he, was, that he will always forgive us no matter what we have done. Interesting, he says that he is faithful and he's just. That's an interesting concept when you think about the fact that God is just. And, and it makes you think about a judge, right? Because the judge, uh, you know, hands out justice. But God is just, just to forgive us. Now, is, it, is he just to forgive us just because we ask? No, he's just to forgive us because our forgiveness is based on what? The cross of Jesus Christ. That's where our sins are paid for. 
We could never go and say, God, you know, forgive me for what I did, but, but you know, I did two good things to make up for that one bad thing, and so therefore that kind of cancels out, doesn't it? In fact, I'm in the good column now. So every other religion, by the way, has that sort of you know, system of works, like if your good at works outweigh your bad works, you're going to be okay, you're going to get in. I heard Muhammad Ali speak that one time. He says, you know, I, I, I believe this, that, you know, if my good works outweigh my bad works, then, then I'm going to get in to heaven. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be all right. But that's not the way it works. The truth of the scriptures tells us that one bad work, only one, only one sin will keep us out. That's the nature of sin and the nature of God. Only one. That's all you have to do is one sin, and you're, you're, you're out. You say, well, that's kind of harsh, but, but it's the truth about, again, what sin is and who God is. That God is light, holy, perfectly holy. No sin could ever survive in his presence. But justice on the basis of the cross, that, that, that he forgave our sins. He, he, he forgave them because Jesus paid what you and I should have paid. That little prophet Micah, I don't know how big he was, but (laughs) he says this, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. He takes our sins. We go to, we go to confess our sins. He's faithful and just and will forgive us. And he throws them into the depths of the sea. And Corey Ten Boom says, there's a sign up that says what? No fishing. He forgives. He forgives you. He forgives me. Now turn back to Psalm 32. I want you to see what David says after he had prayed his prayer in Psalm uh, 51 and Psalm 32. And again, uh, you need to know where these two are. Look at Psalm 32 and verse 1. He says, blessed. And that word blessed or blessed means what? Happy. Oh, how happy is what it means. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. You see, he, 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 he turned the corner from that sin. It was eating him up inside. Whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. And in whose spirit is no deceit. Notice that he says, in, in whose spirit is no deceit. Now, how did, how did he know that? Why did he say that? Because wasn't he doing that himself? He had been there and done that, as, as we say. Look at verse 3. He says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the day in the heat of summer. And then, he said, I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Wow. 
Now, did David try to cover it up and hide it? Yes, he did. In fact, it wasn't until, as it says at the heading of Psalm 51, it wasn't until Nathan the prophet came and, and told him that story about the lamb and that, and, and David got all worked up, wow, oh, a guy that would do that. And then, then Nathan said, that's you. You are the man that did that. Sometimes, you know, we, we try to keep these things in. We try to hide them. We, we're not willing to go and confess. But isn't that... Isn't that the, the truth of what happened in the Garden of Eden? They sinned, right? And then they, what? They made themselves coverings. And then they hid from God. You see? This is what Solomon, the wise preacher, says in Proverbs 28. He who conceals his sins does not prosper. But whoever confesses, and renounces them, finds mercy. We try to hold it in like David did. We try to hide it, pretend it never happened or whatever, but, but, but God is just waiting for us and the, the turmoil that David felt inside is, that's the, you know, God's spirit like working on us. Like get right with him. If there's something that you need to confess and get right with him, just get right with him. Don't wait. Don't wait until someone comes up to you didn't I see you over at that place over there? Oh, busted. <laughs> He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purifies us from all unrighteousness. Now, I need to add this in here in the middle of this is that conf- salvation isn't based on this confession that we're talking about right now. Okay? It's not based on that. You know, our confessing of our sin, that we are sinners, that we need to be saved from all our sins. That's the confession that saves us. But this confession, keeping our account short and all that, uh, the truth of the matter is, if it was based on that, could you confess every sin you ever commit? Could you remember every sin? You know, I've forgotten more sins than I can remember. Sometimes a bad memory is good, right? What's your name again? (laughs) Warren Wearsby said, Christians do sin, but this does not mean they must be saved all over again. Sin in the life of the believer breaks the fellowship, but does not destroy the sonship. So that relationship with God, you know, you can't break that. It doesn't go away. And this is, you know, so many groups, you know, oh, you did that? Your salvation? You got to get saved again. No, I mean, we'd be going back and forth every single day a million times a day. We're secure in that. But the fellowship, he says, with, with God is broken. So... Another man said this, and I I like this. He says, in order for us to walk day by day in fellowship with God and with our fellow fellow believers, we must confess our sins. And listen to what he says. We must drag them out in the open before God. Call them by their names. Take, Take sides with God against them and forsake them. That's what we need to do. If we're going to do it, let's just do it, right? 
If we're going to walk with God, if we want good fellowship with God and others, you know, we need to just do it. So, so what keeps us from doing it in the first place? Why don't we? Pride is the first thing. I, you know, I don't want to admit that. Like God doesn't know? Uh, you know, I'm going to hide that from God or something? That, you know, give that up. But when we do, it says he forgives us and he purifies us from all unrighteousness. Notice that word all. It's not just some. It's all. In verse uh, 7, it says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from what? All sin. Purifies us from all sin. And here he says, in verse 9, it says, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus does all of this for you and I as we confess and we, and we bring it to him. All means all. You might be thinking, you know, well, that, that doesn't, no, that doesn't cover what I did. There's something that you've never told anybody. You, you, you can't even think about talking to anybody about it. But you know what? All means all. All means every one, every single one. Again, Pastor Chuck said, no matter what the past is, no matter how black or bleak, the gospel of Jesus Christ holds out hope for all, all, all. At the end of, uh, or at the middle, in the middle of Psalm 51, David said, cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Whiter than snow. One last thing, and I'm running out of time here, is, is our number one confession is to God, right? That's, that's what we really need to do. But what about confessing to people? I, you know, I talked about the priest thing, but, but what about confessing to people? Sometimes we sin against people. In James chapter 5, verse 16, he says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. There is a time when we need to get with someone and confess what we've done wrong. If I've done something to you. And, and notice in that verse of James 5, 16, it says it brings healing that you may be healed. It brings restoration. It brings prayer. You know, he said, confess your faults and pray for one another. It brings prayer. But the caution that we need to think about, is it's not something you go and shout from the rooftops. It's not something you splash all over fake book. It's, it's, we need to be discreet, right? We need to be sensitive. Now, those we sin against, we need to go to them personally and in and, and, and some way and, and confess, you know, I did that to you and I'm really, really sorry. I, I, you know, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? They may or they may not. Ultimately, our forgiveness comes from God. But maybe, maybe there's also someone that, you know, that you trust, that you, you just need to get this thing out. You need to talk to somebody about it. Someone that can pray for you, pray with you. Someone you trust, a brother or a sister, maybe a, a trusted counselor of some kind. There's a place for that. Number one, though, our confession is to God. Confess our sins to him. He is faithful and just. Who? God. 
and he will forgive us our sins. So let's wrap this up. We acknowledge, that's the first step, we confess our sin. I'm a sinner, and I need the forgiveness of God through his son, Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ uh, upon my life. And that's based on trusting in, in him as our Savior. That's, that's where we uh, you know, are forgiven, that we are saved. Our past, present, and future is completely wiped out. We are brand new creatures. Now, we still have this sin nature. We fight with it as well. And so, you know, we confess our sins to him and to others at times. And we receive that forgiveness, that cleansing, that restoring of fellowship. David uh, Guzik pointed this out, that real, deep, genuine confession of sin has been a feature of every genuine awakening or revival. That's true. You go back and read about revivals and awakenings, you find that people were confessing their sin, they were repenting, you know, they would fall on their faces before God, weeping. And revival broke out. If we want revival in our own hearts and lives, we better start confessing. We better get on our faces before God and confess. We can excuse. We can defend ourselves. This is what we do. We learned this from Adam and Eve. Again, back to the garden. Oh, the, you know... That woman you gave me, that's why. Oh, the, you know, Satan, you know, the, the, the serpent. We, we try to, you know, excuse and blame shift onto somebody else when what we really need to do is just confess our sins before God. That's what we need to do. And he will forgive us. One of the last verses, uh, Psalm 51, I'll put it up on the screen. It says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. That's powerful. That's powerful. Let's pray together, shall we?